Hi, and welcome to Thinking Out Loud. This is Mariana. Elizabeth, good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Not bad. It was 80 degrees here yesterday. Oh my gosh, it was sleeting here. Flip-flops and a tank top. <sighs> it was gorgeous. I was like, hello, February. I was desperately trying to find a long sleeve shirt. I hate long sleeves because long sleeves. Well, my arms are short, so I love three quarter length sleeves, but long sleeves get all stuck in my palm. And then if you're washing your hands, it gets all wet. And then, ugh. yeah, maybe I... perhaps I should buy a different kind <laughs> or like push up your sleeves when you wash your hands. Okay, that's also probably a good suggestion. I mean, that's but isn't how it funny? I I've... Prevent the whole wet sleeves. I don't. My dog is talking to me. Um. So the, is morning. isn't it funny the the kinds of things that we get um that get us riled up? <laughs> I well, guess. That's true. You're all upset over your long sleeves, but I like, I like long sleeves. My only, I don't actually like, um, turtlenecks. I like things that are like, have a low neckline on them, <clears throat> not a plunging neckline, any <laughs> stretch of the imagination, but I just don't, I, I don't know. I've tried wearing turtlenecks before and I get like halfway through the day and I'm like going crazy. So You're like, I'm suffocating. Cowl neck sweaters or whatever. They look so cute and everything. But then I'm like, get it off my neck. I can't take it. It's strangling me. So. Okay. So this is the same kind of thing. Do you watch The Office? I have watched The Office. Yes. Have you seen the one where the office, the new office dress code is that you have to wear long sleeves and Dwight always wears short sleeves and a tie? I'm sure I saw it because I watched the entire series, but I can't remember that one specifically. I know. Tag. It's so frustrating, isn't it? So he does this and he's walking around just like, just like I imagine you're doing as you're describing how you feel when you have the turtleneck on. Like just, you know. He's like, this is just, it can't do anything. And so he's trying to like get his arms situated in it and he's knocking over things in the kitchen because he's so uncomfortable. I'm like, yes, yes. Why can I so I like a good button down where you can flip up the sleeve. Why can I not remember that um, particular episode? I, I don't know, but like, we'll try to link it in the show notes. Me up, so that's funny. Well, I was thinking about this because my dog just um, almost had a heart attack because we ran the washing machine. <laughs> my gosh. I know, Tag. Was it very sad? <laughs> I feel your pain, Willie. today, by the way. <laughs> He's very talkative. So, yes, we ran the washing machine and Willie, I, I don't, oh, I know. I was running a load of sheets one time and it got all balled up. And do you know, have you ever had this experience where it gets all yes. into one lump it, and it goes, yeah. And so it scared Willie half to death. And ever since that one time that happened, <laughs> he hates the washing machine. <laughs> it's going to eat him. It's, it's with the fitted sheets because the, you know, the clothes or the yeah. sheets or whatever else you're washing with, it gets stuck up under them. So yeah. Yep. Um, you could try. Um, we got tagged to be tacitly comfortable with the vacuum cleaner by putting cheese on it while we were running it. And so then he oh. would come over and like eat the cheese off of it because he was like, oh, no, the cheese. <laughs> I think that would work with Waylon, but with Willie, he'd be like, no, I'm going to starve. Like, <laughs> no. 
Which there are some things that tag is that way for too, where like like the bath. I will bring mm. cheese into the bath and he just stands there and is like, no, no. And no, so then we have to I'm like lift do it. him and put him in the bath. But So the last time that I gave our dogs a bath, this tells you how long it had been since I had given the dogs a bath. They both just got in and they were like, Yeah, I need this. Oh, <laughs> poor guys. Waylon with his long legs goes and puts one paw. Bonk, 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 gets in. And he just sits down like, all right. He's like, whatever. I'm resigned myself to this cleansing ritual that you humans are a part of. But I think also, like, when you get to a certain point that their fur, you know, they submit to it because their fur feels bad or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like Tag always feels better once he gets out of the bath, but mm-hmm. he hates being in the bath. So, well, I can un- understand. He's got that long hair. Yeah, that could be part of it. You never See, know. and Waylon dries in like 30 minutes, and Willia takes the rest of the day for him <laughs> to dry. Tag, yeah. So I can't even imagine Tag's. Yeah. He turns fluffy, and he gets all crimpy like he's from the 1980s. <laughs> he's got funny. wavy hair. Yeah. You're That's like, hilarious. I think somebody asked me once because we took him on a walk afterwards so he could like air dry some. Mm-hmm. They were like, Did you do that to your dog's hair? I'm like, no. <laughs> yes. I styled my dog's hair in a crimpy 80s style. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, so how's life? Um, it is busy-ish. I'm still, I mean... All the same things that were going on last week are still going on this week. Keeping me. keeping On me your toes. toes? Yeah. I'm just like, I'm still working through a manuscript. I'm still doing some edits on mine, which, which I'm really liking as I like put things in their place and like get a little bit more elaborate in some of the scenes. It's, I'm really enjoying it. So isn't it funny how, well, at least in my writing process and editing process on my manuscript that I'm working on, I I get stuck. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's so much more to this story. Why did I leave this part out and this part out and this part out? Like this is really important stuff. Yeah. Well, and then add on top of that, the revelation that I had of how the plot should actually go. So then I'm like, okay, so now I need to like, not only did I leave this out, but now I have to change this because that's not what actually happens anymore, but they can still have most of this conversation. It just has to have a different leaning than it did the last time. And yeah. Well, and if you know where it's all going, then you can send it in that direction. You know, it's true. It's true. I was actually listening to a podcast the other day about like, knowing your ending and it was um it was interesting because there were two different camps right there was the one that was like you need to know where you're going and then there's the other that's like well you know you need to be flexible because once you get into the manuscript you're not always going to go where your outline said you should go and as a confirmed Mm -hmm. pantser I want to (laughs) say you should just go wherever but at the same time I've this manuscript like I've always had a, at least an inkling of an idea of where it goes and that has been huge like it's really helped me to get further in the process than any of the other ones because I feel like I feel like if I'm in the midst in the throes of writing and I have to figure out what the ending is that I I 
crack under pressure. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, it's just this cheesy thing and the prince and the princess get together and they live happily ever after. Oh man, exactly. I wrote one of those. I didn't mean to write one of those. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that's our show title, by the way. They live happily ever after. Um, okay, done. Anyways, um, but yes, yeah, so like it, it, like I don't know. I I feel like um, rather than like unleashing my creativity, I inhibit it by making myself come up with something on the fly all the time. Um, so yeah, like, but I, I think. Go ahead. Go, well, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say, there's something to be said because it's not that you had definitely this um, denouement or this, you know, epiphany about the ending before you started. You started right. and then you've discovered it along the way. So even if you are at the point in your manuscript where they are lively, living happily ever after, you know, they, they just let them live happily ever after for a little while, knowing that perhaps as you continue, they, you know, something else more exciting will happen. Yeah. Yeah. The big thing for this particular um, manuscript for me, speaking of happily ever afters, is that, um, you know, like I had a pretty clear idea of what my main character wanted, you know, which you need to know when you're writing your story, you need to know what your main character wants, because that's the point of the story. But then I gave it to her, like immediately. And so then like I had no... I had no tension and no momentum in my plot because I'm like, well, what does she need to change for now? Because she got what she wanted. And then I was like, that isn't going to work. <laughs> so <laughs> then I was like, okay, but how does it work if she doesn't get what she wants? And like, how do I still keep, because I have, you know, these whole scenes that have to do with her getting what she wants um, and doing that thing. And so I was like, how can I keep that? And at the same time, like have the tension come back and yeah, without giving you spoilers, I figured out how to do that. Um, but it did involve her actually not getting it, getting what she wanted. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, so often when we're writing, we, we see the ending or we see the writing process as a black and white experience, mm -hmm. you know, they live happily ever after, or they don't. Maybe, or maybe they live happily ever after for a little while and then something else happens. You know, right, the, this exactly. um, spectrum of possibilities is really where the interesting thing happens. Well, because part of it is that, like, that whole idea that, like, you know, what your character thinks they want might not be what they actually want. So you can give them what they think they want. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, no, this isn't it. <laughs> so... Like it takes them further into the story. Yeah. And, and, and there's also something to be said for uh, the character getting that in the middle of the story and the readers being like, wait, this is what they've been working for. What's going to happen yeah. now? I'm only halfway through the book. Right. What? You definitely, you're like, this can't be it. And <laughs> you're usually right. As we were watching um, The Martian the other night, which um, I haven't read the book yet, and I kind of feel sad that I didn't read the book before I saw the movie. But, um, but like, there were a few of those, like, false climaxes in there. Yes. You know, where you're like, oh, he's going to get it. And I was like, no, the movie is so far from being over right now. So I'm like, who's going to die? Or who's, like, what's going to happen that, like, causes, you know, commotion or whatever? And my friend Leslie was like, you know, She's like, I'm so stressed. And I'm like, well, at least, you you know, it's not like 
there aren't any little green men in these movies, in this particular movie. So <laughs> you don't have to worry about aliens jumping out to get you. But um, but it's definitely not over yet. So what's going to happen next? Yeah, I think that's... <laughs> that's it. Uh, well, I was just thinking about The Office, too. You know, there are all these... Um, we- Okay, so obviously I'm talking about this because we finished our run-through last night. Oh, you finally finished it. Well, I mean, this is like the second time we've watched it from beginning to end. Yeah. I don't know if you have those series that you do that with. I personally do it with Gilmore Girls, and I will keep doing it until they release the new Gilmore Girls that is confirmed. They are filming. Have I not been obsessing over Doctor Who enough? Because I watch that all the time over and over again except that they just took it off netflix and them oh, no. giving me new gilmore girls is not not consolation enough and by the way who did not invite melissa mccarthy back like two what's up with that to the gilmore girls yeah well so, they did no suki no they did invite her but she she's too expensive now she said nobody invited her oh i don't think that's true <laughs> we can debate this though okay I know no Suki is kind of terrible but you know Richard on Gilmore Girls he passed away so there will be no Richard either well yes and that was just recently but I mean yeah. it's supposed to be so many years later so it kind of makes sense I mean people do die so like they can write that in and well, and the other thing is, in the storyline, he's had all these health issues, so it's right, not... exactly. So it's not yeah. like, oh, all out of the blue, he was so healthy and going to live till he was 100. No, so there were a couple of times, speaking of false climaxes, there were a couple of times that we were like, oh, he's dead. Like, that character is dead. They've killed him off. Yeah. I don't... I um. That's interesting. I'm going to have to research more about... Um, Suki and what happened. Maybe it's that because they thought they, I read something about it that they thought they couldn't afford her, that they didn't ask her. But I'm like, I don't know. She, I liked her. So anyways, but again, I will say it does not matter to me that they're bringing back Gilmore girls when they took away my doctor who (laughs) quite very upset by that. But I'm just excited that we can talk about Gilmore girls on this show now. (laughs) I need to commit more strongly to Doctor Who because I have definitely watched seasons of Doctor Who, but I have not watched it from beginning to end. And so there are some holes in my understanding of the storyline. Probably so. Sam needs to educate you. But it's not on Netflix now, so what what am I going to do? Well, I think that means you're going to have to make an investment. Mm. (laughs) Google Play or something. Yeah. It's probably on Amazon, too. I don't know. Ooh, All I, I know is I'm super sad that it's not there. But <laughs> this is the only thing I know is that I am not living happily ever after because Doctor <laughs> Who is off with Netflix. Well, like I mean, on the one hand, it's a fan obsession, right? But on the other hand, it's also um, like you, when you watch something enough or you read something enough, you can actually start like breaking it down for its story parts, right? And like exactly themes and you know things like that that maybe maybe some people are educated enough to be able to do on the first run but for me I get wrapped up in what's going on and so then I have to go back and read a second or third time to be able to to go with what like is actually going on underneath the plot well yeah and then you go and you read all this um 
not fan fiction about it, but all of the this, you know, fan kind of talk. Yeah. Or in the case of Gilmore Girls, you read the backstory of the care of the actors interacting with each other, and then you're like, well, how did they accomplish that if they really didn't like to be in the same room with each other? You know, that's <laughs> pretty spectacular, actually. So, the power of creating a story is something that I will fascinate me for the rest of my life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the line from Chicago, right? About there's only one business where. Oh, what is the line? I don't know. I'll have to look that up and we can put it in the show notes. But because Roxy's like, we can't work together because I hate you. And she's like, well, lucky for you. In show, <laughs> in show business, you don't have to like each other. Yeah. And I think that's. Well, and so this is an interesting idea that we've touched on before. I don't think it was last week, but I think it was the week before. But we've talked about this presented persona mm-hmm. that we as authors have to kind of take on in order to go and to be these people. And I've so Amanda Palmer is kind of back from maternity leave and has been posting these things about breastfeeding, about being a working mom and this kind of thing. Yeah. And for me, I'm, you know, for me, I'm kind of like, okay, so how much of this is really Amanda and how much of this is the cr- created persona that she makes? Not not that it's not authentic of who she is, but it is not like who she reveals herself to Neil. You know what right. I mean? And so how much of that is her presented persona and how much of that is really her? I don't know, but I, whatever it is, I love it. There was a picture this morning on my Instagram of her um, breastfeeding the baby while dyeing her hair in a bathroom at a swanky club in some city where she was going to be singing with a backup band for somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, if you want to be a mom and have it all, you just have to be flexible. And I was like, oh my God, you're amazing. <laughs> and she's sitting in a window, right? Yeah. It's a great picture. Because of course there's no place to, you know, breastfeed a baby. <laughs> right. At the club. At the club, right. So you got to figure out a way to do it. Yeah. So I, but I think this is interesting, you know, and I think so many writers who are turned authors think that you have to be yourself. And so they go to these writing events and they reveal like who they, you know, it's like too much revelation. Mm -hmm. You have to create this kind of barrier of, I'm going to reveal this much to my public because if I real, reveal all of who I am, then that's going to destroy me if someone doesn't like my writing or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's some, yeah. Oh, we talked about this when we talked about David Bowie, you know, about the fact that that's not how he walks around his house, right? You know, (laughs) this is something that he prepares for in order to be in front of an audience. But I, I think there's something that's missing when I talk to writers turned authors, because the writing life is so personal and so, you and your hobbit hole just, you know, banging out a manuscript and then spending all this time with it, that when you go out in public, especially for the first couple of times, you know, you're still that writer person. Yeah. But you're turning into an author. And so that has a little different connotation to it, but also it has a a different mind preparation to it as well. Like, who are you going to reveal yourself to be? Right. Well, and I mean, you can be whoever you want to be, but so like, yeah. it's just a matter of like figuring out how to be your truest self and also be your best self, I think. Um, but also how to be yourself, your public self. 
Right. Like your public self doesn't have to be your private self and really shouldn't be because it'll make people really uncomfortable. Like that intimacy is reserved for people who really care about you and you really care about, you know, and that's not always your fans. Sure. Reveal a certain part of yourself to your fans, but, you know, save some of who you are just for the people who really know you. (laughs) Yeah, and sometimes that works, but sometimes sometimes people do need to be out there, you know? Like, making people uncomfortable is not always a bad thing. No, no, and it's not about making people uncomfortable or not. It's just, for me, it's you have to save a little part of who you are at your core that you are certain of and that you don't put in front of people for public opinion. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the thing is that if you're doing it for like public opinion or for recognition, then that's not really advisable. Well, and you have to do those things like running or drinking coffee or going to the bookstore by yourself. Those are kind of things that feed your soul. And, you know, doing all of that and revealing that to the public is then it's not feeding your soul, it's feeding your fans, mm-hmm. you know, and then where where's your soul feeding time, right? Mm-hmm. You got to have that too to keep going. Which, by the way, I'm not allowed to go to the bookstore by myself. Why? Because I buy things. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't go alone. It's that Bookaholics Anonymous thing. Oh, <laughs> It doesn't work if you limit yourself and say, I can only get one book today. No. Well, that's the thing is I'm not, I can't get any books today. Like I have to stop it. You have to stop it? No. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I do. I have to like make sure that I, I have to read what I have first. (laughs) That's my main problem. No, but then what are you going to have to read when you have read everything that you have? Have you... you haven't but if you could see between my kindle and my house the amount of books that i have not read yet that i own i would not be shocked because my house looks the same (laughs) so yeah but you never know when you're going to hit one of those weekends where you read four books in one time and then what happens you know you always have to have the next book ready more than four books waiting i know but if you do that for like four weekends in a row that's 16 books and then what are you going to do huh that's still not a lot of books compared to the amount of books that I have. Plus, even just this week, somebody gave me a, gave me like an advanced reader copy of one of their books and was like, please review this for me. And I was like, sure. But so like I have that to read now too. So, And then you got, you're getting books in the mail. I know. I also got a book in the mail that now I'm like, okay, I need to read this because that movie is coming out imminently, correct? think so yeah i think it is so i want to read i'm not sure i want to see that one though you'll understand after you finish reading it. (laughs) i know it's funny i was talking to my sister last night and telling her that i just got we're talking about allegiant in case any listeners don't know um the oh yeah right veronica roth book um uh but so like i just picked up that book and I was like, okay, so, you know, now I have this book to read. I'm telling my sister and she was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I, I know that there's something coming, but I've managed to avoid most of the spoilers so far. And I know it's that somebody dies and it made very, everybody very unhappy. Um, and so I'm not sure what she could have done unconventionally to, to make her fans so angry because I'm like, 
okay, but anyway, okay, so but I'm here like speculating, and then I'm like, all right, now I'll you know I'll read it, and it probably won't shock me as badly as it did everybody else because I'm anticipating it, and maybe I'm anticipating something worse than actually happens, but maybe not. Well, and here's the thing, you know, they um, she says as she inter- as she was interviewed, going back to what you were saying about the revelation of the ending and the plot coming right. together, she says, when I started this book, I knew this is how this ended. Yeah. I- I know that you didn't know that and I I apologize, but I didn't change it or write it for shock value or, you know, to make you angry. This is how the story was always going to be. Yep. You got it. So I wasn't angry. I wasn't angry. Were you not? No, but. it's not going to watch the movie. Right. (laughs) I'm a different emotion to be determined later, but not angry. (laughs) You might want to think about that a little bit more. You might be more angry than you think you are. Yeah, maybe. Possibly. Perhaps I have uh, repressed all of the feelings about this book. (laughs) That's possible too. Until you have read it, then we can talk about it. (laughs) Well, then, I mean, you know, our poor listeners, but. um. But once the movie's out, I I feel like all spoilers are off. Thank you, Tag. Sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's what dog ownership is like. I had to save the toy before it was totally eviscerated. Oh, yes. Or they eat it. Mutated. Um. So we were eating Chinese food the other night, and uh, our dogs like fortune cookies. Uh-huh. <laughs> so because it's crunchy and sweet. I mean, what could, right. what is not to like about it, right? So um, we, we had given them each half of one. That's all. Uh-huh. So Sam put his fortune down on the table and Waylon licked it and was eating it to get oh, the man. last morsels of fortune cookie. I was like, Waylon, spit it out, spit it out. Yeah, I we give the dog um, cardboard boxes occasionally because mm-hmm. they're super fun to tear up. and Oh, paper towel rolls. Yeah, yeah hours of fun. But then like, I have to watch him and make sure he doesn't eat all the shreds of paper towel oh, paper towel roll or cardboard box that he finds because he's like look I got it's cheaper towel. toys <laughs> i'm like no no no, no, no don't eat that why spend 5.99 when you have a <laughs> paper box exactly cardboard box so i'm so i'm i'm thirty thousand words into my manuscript hey that is amazing I'm not even halfway done, though. Okay, so here's my question to you. At what point, what word count did you get to that you were like, okay, it's time to start editing? Um, I think I had, so I did 50,000 words from, um, from yeah, no. Nano, and then I did, um, aside from that, I think I had like twenty five or 30,000 words, so I was around 80,000 words. Okay, that's what I'm shooting for, too. What you're supposed to have for like a... Working manuscript. Yeah. Um, and then it's going to fluctuate a little bit, hopefully in the process of revision. So um, I just, um, I think maybe I mentioned this or maybe I didn't mention this, but I um, I did a job for uh, for Stuart Horwitz, who has yes. um, yeah, book architecture. And he his new book is, um, it's called... Damn it, we talked about this before and I 
like I never remember the the title of the book. But anyways, it's about editing your manuscript in three drafts. Um, and so like he says, you know, if you have like 50,000 words of a manuscript, like, and you're like, well, it's not done yet because I don't have the ending. He's like, you're probably done with the first draft, you know, like even if you're like, well, I don't know where it's going yet. There might be a few scenes missing from it still, but like now it's time you can put it down and like get ready for the second draft, which, so he has the messy draft is the first draft. And then the method draft is the second draft. And the method draft is where you like go through your scenes and you see what you can remember um, of your scenes before you look at the manuscript so that you know what's the most important, what's the cream of the crop. And then you decide about the ones that you couldn't remember, which ones you're going to keep and which ones you're going to let go and which ones still need to be written and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so like you can have 50 to 80,000 words on something and feel like it's not finished yet, but you actually did complete your first draft and now it's time to move on to your next draft. Well, yeah. And I think this is an interesting point because, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that I'm noticing and because I'm a book publisher, when I get a new book, I look at the format. I look at the font size. I look at the spacing in between. I look at the margin and the bleed. And I look at, you know, where blank pages are. Right. So, you know, I, I was reading a book the other day and I was talking to someone and I was like, this is not 80,000 words. I know it's not. You know, this is maybe 45,000 words that they've stretched to make it look like a full manuscript, but it's really not, you yeah. know? And that's the that's the kind of magic of formatting in general. I, I mean, right. you can make any book appear long. You can make any book appear short, depending on how you do it. But, you know, for me, as I'm writing this, I know that a, a healthy manuscript to start at least is 80 to 100,000 words. Well, so... Because you need that many words to develop your character or your idea. It's it has. I mean, like you can flip that many pages, and but you're still not tricking your reader into believing that you've actually done the full character development that you need to do. Well, you know? and there's a reason that this is the standard industry. Um, the industry standard. <laughs> Set it backwards, you know. Or this is what a lot of people say is a working manuscript. Now, you might get down to seventy-five thousand words or seventy thousand words in the end, but you know, getting getting to the point where you have written eighty thousand is, is significant. Yes, because um, you're pushing yourself beyond that, and. You know, with the rise of self-publishing, with the rise of formatting being in the hands of the author a lot of times, I think that there is some, I, okay, I'll just say it. I think there's some people who are just copying out. You know, they're they're saying, okay, I'm finished with my draft. I'm going to format this. I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to see if people like it. Yeah. And they're not putting in the hard work to make it a really good manuscript. Yeah. Which I am, by the way. <laughs> Like, but going. just because you know how to do the formatting things, just because you know that you can format it, you can put it on Amazon and it can be available today. Yeah. You know, that is something the immediacy of that draws you in to the process and makes you think, oh, well, let me just see how it does. I mean, even if I sell 25 copies on ebook, that's more money than I had before. So why don't I just put it out there and just see how people like it? I can always revise it later. Yeah, yeah, and you can end up um, 
you can end up hurting your sales history if you do that in the first place. Um, but in the second place, like it's better to, I mean, because, you know, we're talking about long form fiction when we say you need 80,000 words. Right. So like you can write a short story. You can also write a novella and, and get a complete like story arc or character arc, but you have to like be intentional about that. Don't just like stop writing and say, okay, it's only 50,000 words. Therefore it's a novella, not. No, 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 no. (laughs) Right. Novella is a separate genre. You don't call it a novella because you're only at 35,000 words. Like, no, (laughs) please. Exactly. So like the whole point is to, to be able to um, elaborate and to be able to like use the right kind of imagery to, to make your point um, with your characters or your setting or your theme, whatever it is. Um, and like if you if you're a writer like that shouldn't be where you skimp right like that's what you're doing you're writing so take your time and and say all the words and don't oh my gosh that's the other thing is like i i'm editing something right now that like we're wasting words in the wrong place so he has all the words technically but like there, there are words that I'm like, no, 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 no. Why, why are we wasting words here? Because you should be using those words for the actual story, which if I had edited Herman Melville, by the way, (laughs) would have been the same, the same thing. We would have had a much shorter novel. Anyways, I'm Let's not go there. <laughs> I'm going to get off my soapbox there. But I, but I do think that this is one of the things uh, about the self the rise of self-publishing and also putting, you know, the, the marketing, the formatting, everything in the hands of the author so often is that there is a temptation to do okay work. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You can do that. Yes. You'll probably have a readership that'll buy that. But you know, what are you risking when you do that? You're risking that uh, they're going to consider you a bad writer. And if you produce something else, they're not going to buy it. You know, they're not going to like what you did because people can tell when you only put half your heart into something Yeah, and working on it, especially if this is your initial work, especially if this is your debut novel or, you know, creative work, it, that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Now I have heard that once you write a book, it, it's easier to write another book. I'm not sure that's true because I've run a half marathon and the second one was <laughs> much harder than the first one, you know? So people say that about running too, but I, I I'm not quite sure that's true. Mm. Maybe I, it's less scary because you know, the, the process that you're going through, but you're just like, Oh, I've done that distance before. But, um, but yeah, but it's a different course, you know, and it's a different day and your training's different and right. your body's different because it's been, you know, for my, in my case, it was three years in between, no, two, no, wait, hold on. One <laughs> year in between. I had, how many years? It's been at least four years since I've run a half marathon now, but, wow. well, but yeah, I think what you say is right. I know. Yeah. yeah so like. I, I just think, um, so on the one hand, I mean, self-publishing, it has its, its vices and its virtues. Right. But, um, but like, it can be a mode of, you're like, well, this is what I wrote. So I'm just going to put it out there. So like, 
the thing is that if you get feedback from somebody first, um, from somebody else who is not your best friend or your boyfriend mom. or <laughs> mom, right? Yeah. And like have them read it, um, be a neutral audience for you and say, you know, yes, this is good or no, this is not good or I have questions here and then address those questions like you're going to have a stronger manuscript, but it does require more work. And so then sometimes, you know, you like everybody hits that point in the manuscript where you're like, I just want to be done with this and push publish yep. and get rid of it. Um, but you don't, you don't really want to do that. Just trust us on this one. Um, well, and <clears throat> I don't know, in my line, at least, you know, I get the manuscripts that I receive, people are sending to me to publish in view of publishing, you know, but in some cases they're asking for a review first, you know, yeah. okay. Uh, you know, I'm at this point, I, I know that I'm probably not ready for publishing, but if you say I'm ready for publishing, that would be awesome. But, you know, give me an, give me advice as to what to do next. Now, almost always I recommend an outside editor because <laughs> that's the next step, you know, that people. Right. You're like, okay, so if you know you're not ready for publishing and you still want to be published, that's okay. But like, if you know it's not ready, don't just send it to a book editor, like send it to a, somebody who's actually gonna have time that that's their job. Well, and I think it's also, I mean, in these cases, these are people who I know, you know, so it's yeah. not you know, they're sending it to me as not as editor in chief, but they're sending it to me as Mariana. Like, mm -hmm. okay, you're in this industry. Can you help me out? Tell me what to do next. But I think quite honestly, there are a lot of people who don't know that the next step is an outside editor. You know, they uh, almost always I have, well, I've had some people read it. So almost always they've had somebody, another set of eyes on it, uh -huh. but these are eyes that aren't editing eyes. And, and that's a different kind of thing or people who have, you know, who, you know, have asked questions and those kinds of things. And they're considering that they're editing, yeah. but that's not the kind of editing that you need to do to get uh, something ready for publication. It's true. I agree. Um, I mean, you can, but you have to like, you, you don't, I'm going to say this and like talk myself out of work here, but like you don't have to hire a freelance editor technically if you are willing to put in the amount of work that it needs to do to get the exact right amount of focus from your focus group. Your beta readers are your focus group. They need to be like people that read in your genre. They need to be people that don't owe you anything. And so yeah. they will read it and like give you honest feedback free of, with no strings attached. Yeah, um, that's they also need to then like have a the time to be able to do that and give you the feedback in a timely manner and be like the generosity of heart because the thing is it does take time like it, it's it's a big ask to give people a like 300 page novel and right. say, read this and tell me what you think of it you know like that that requires a lot and so like you don't always get – you can't get that for free technically. You might think you're getting it for free, but you're going to be paying for it in other ways. So. Yeah, and I will say that the the only way or the only point that I've seen that this works is there are some writers groups that are really like this. Yeah. And they do this mutual editing for each other, you know, mm -hmm. um, very successfully. 
that's not always the case, but I have seen some manuscripts coming out of really strong writers groups right, right. Um, where they're doing that for each other. And in that case, they, you know, you don't necessarily need an outside or a freelance editor because you, you have the experience of that collaborative group. Right. But you have to, I mean, that it's time and effort. And so, yeah, because people are dedicating the, you know, one Saturday a month to this writer group or, or whatever, you know, whatever the experience is. And so you have been working on this for a long time too. And I, I don't know why this is so relevant to me right now. Maybe it's because I, I'm at that point in my manuscript where I'm like, let me just release it to the world, you know, (laughs) which is not finished. I know it's not finished. (laughs) No, I won't do it. But you know, we all fall into these, um, periods of time where we're like, let, let me just put it out there, see what people think. Well, and the thing is, if you want to do that, write a blog post, right? Exactly, <laughs> right? Because you can just press publish on that. You don't have to do a whole lot of editing. But if you're going to write a novel, come on, people. But if time. you, yeah, and if you treat your book like your blog post, then it's not going to be successful either. Exactly, exactly. Or, you know, maybe you'll have some moderate success with it. But think about how much more you could have if you'd actually put the full amount of time into it and think about the I think for for me what keeps me is thinking thinking about the audience that you're developing on your blog or in in any place and the fact that you're risking that audience right for any future work exactly you know it's easy to take the you know the easy way out and to say oh I know how to do this let me just put it up let me just see what happens and let me enjoy that moderate success let me call myself an author let me play this part you know, this public persona, like we were talking about. Right. But if this is something that you really want to do for like the rest of your life, then you have to lay the groundwork of, of something that's sustainable and substantial. Yes. And we're here to help you do that. Yes, indeed. We'll encourage you along the way. (laughs) Yes, because we are, we ourselves are in this process too. So we understand the temptation to do that. Yeah. And perhaps it's even greater because we kind of know what we've done this for other people's books. So we're like, oh, yeah, we could just push this out, right? Exactly. <sighs> so should we But don't it? do it. That's that's the whole point is don't do it. Don't take the easy way out. Put in the hard work. It'll be worth it. People will be able to tell the difference. They will, and they'll appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. So should we talk about what we're reading? We should. Yeah. Do you want to go first or do you want me to? Yeah. Oh, I can go first. I'm reading Between the World and Me. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I started it in um, the bathtub last night. That's where I do most of my reading. And I started it and I was like, oh, my gosh, no, this is not nighttime reading. This is like (laughs) coffee in hand, serious, deep reading. (laughs) You know, I don't know how I had encountered it or you know i i knew that it was in a letter format mm-hmm. but this is i have heavy reading and then i have light reading do you yeah. do the same thing yeah, yeah and so this is like heavy reading so i've got to move it to a new place and i can only like i got to 18 pages last night and i'm like that's all i can that's all <laughs> i can do right now i've got to process all this yeah so yeah i definitely have like there's the book that i can like read before i go to sleep and then there's the one that I'm like, nope, nope, I'm going to have to think about this more. So, and then yes, sometimes so- there's like a, a heavier thing that I'm trying to read that I will like read right before I go to sleep. But because I want to like see if I have dreams about it and like what my dreams 
say to me about it. That's good too. <laughs> so are you, but so are you enjoying your book or? Uh, it's wonderful. Yes. Yeah. But Wonderfully challenging and you know, yeah, it makes you like doubt your whole self kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's about race relations. And so the one, the, okay, the idea that I'm kind of thinking about that is revealed and you could get this on the book, book jacket too, but the idea of being raised white, mm-hmm. you know? And so he, he talks about, oh, and look at those people who are raising their kid white. And I'm going, oh my gosh, we're raising a kid. Are we raising him white? You know, is there some of that that's inherent in how I was raised? And if it is inherent in how I was raised, because I'm pretty sure it was, what is that? And let me make sure I don't do that as a parent. Right. So, yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I can see the power of nurture, right? Read that right before you go to sleep every night. But, yeah, it's like that whole subconscious thing that you can't like. I mean, so, yes, you know, like you could intentionally change things, but you have to be able to like examine yourself from an outside perspective in order to be able to see what you need to change. And what, you know, what kind of experiences do I want my kid to have even at his young age to, you know, counter this? Right. You know, what was I shielded from that I really shouldn't have been shielded from? Cause it wasn't dangerous. It was just different. Yeah. Oh, I think about that all the time, actually. That's what I go to therapy for. <laughs> sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not good. So anyways. So, you know, like rethinking your whole life. No big deal. <laughs> on, a, on a Monday night. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So what are you reading? Well, I'm reading something that is not that heavy at all. Um, no, I um, so I mentioned earlier that uh, someone that I know gave me an advanced reader copy of their book. Um, her name is Jada McCoy and the book's called Artificial and it's a sci-fi with androids. Um, and I'm super enjoying it so far. Um, it's on Goodreads and probably there might be a pre-order link on Amazon. I'm not sure. She just had her cover reveal the other day. Um, but um, I was really like I met Jada at uh, Utopia last year. I think I read tarot for her <laughs> um, and like, she's super cool. And so we follow each other on Facebook and comment on each other's Facebook stuff. And then she was like, Hey, my book is being published. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And then she sent me a copy. So, so I'm taking the time to read, read her book and then I'll write a review for her on Goodreads. Um, I mean, I told her I write reviews of books that I like because I don't like, I I don't, it takes too much effort for me to write reviews of books that I don't like, unless it like hits me in that emotional place where I'm like, there's a really significant reason why I don't like this book. And I have, and I need to warn you about this. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, but so it's been really good. Um, I finished reading Daring Greatly, so that was good too. Um, did you do um do you have that yes or did, is it from the library no it's it's was given to me for um for christmas um and i promised to let somebody else borrow it and read it but once i'm done it's possible it might go into the book exchange mm, yes send it this way so make its way to the east coast so but I mean, not I will that you don't it. have like a ton of books to read already, but 
Well, you know, it might take me six months to get through this between the world and me. Yeah. I've got to do all my Zen stuff after and be like, let me examine my whole existence. Yeah. So I think Darren Greatly is the perfect segue, right? right? That's yeah, the perfect one to come out. Make you examine more things about yourself, but it was a really good book. I um, I um appreciated her approach to some of it, and some of it I was like, well, I don't. I feel like you might be being too binary about that. About men are this way and women are this way, and some extent she's right, probably because that's how we treat our genders in our society but like it's it just was interesting too but she made me think so yeah and what is the um but that's not her most recent one or it is her most recent I think that's one? her most recent one she had a couple before that yeah what's the one that she was on um magic lessons is it for daring greatly or the other one so, okay so We'll link to that too, the magic lessons. Yeah. So one of the reasons that is that why you got it? Um, no, actually. So um, I well, I think I'm pretty sure I heard about it, read about it when I was reading, um, because I'm pretty sure that Elizabeth Gilbert mentioned it in Big Magic, um, and I. But also, um, Amanda Palmer quoted her in her book as well. So the art of asking, um, and so I was like, oh, well, that's really interesting, and you know, I would like to know what what else Brene Brown has to say. And so I was thinking, you know, you know how a title of a book will hit your consciousness and then it's just like you're aware that it's there, but you haven't like made a point of going to get it to read it yet. Um, so it was just kind of like floating around there at the edge of my consciousness of, oh, I should probably read that book at some point. And then someone gave it to me for Christmas. <laughs> and I was like, hey, thanks. That's amazing. So... You're like, wait, how did you know about what was going on in my subconscious? She didn't actually know that I was like thinking I should read that book. She was just like, this is a really good book and I wanted to give it to you. And I was like, thanks. So then, of course, I went out and bought it for somebody else, too, because I was like, you need to read this book while I'm reading this book and we can talk about it. (laughs) Well, and you know what? I looked at it uh, on Kindle and it's still $9.99 on Kindle. Yeah, yeah. You know why authors do that, though? They put their uh, ebook price up so that it will push print sales that's possible that's interesting because 9.99 is the most you can make an ebook right well and you're like well 9.99 i could uh i could buy the print book for not that much more exactly and i I really do i mean i know publishers who do this because they don't want to be ebook publishers they want to be print publishers so they release the ebook but they put it at 9.99 so people will buy the print I just wait. I like sit and wait when it until there's back. a special. Yeah, I'm like, oh look, the ebook's cheap, or the book is cheaper now because a, I don't want to buy a hardcover, and then b, sometimes paperbacks. I'm like, really, you want that much money for a paperback? But <laughs> I'm which glad is other people do. It's terrible, like place to be at when I. It's the industry that I'm in too, right? I'm like, yes, I understand the value of information and that's what you're selling in this book. It's not the actual paper and glue that you're selling me, but. And yes, I am going to try to sell you in just yes, a little I while when I finish this book. But... Anyway. <laughs> oh, it's such a weird word. Oh, you got to love it. <laughs> Anyhow. 
Anyhow, okay, so if people want to talk to you about books, about... Oh, you have so um, many different ways you can contact me now because I'm on Facebook at Writing Refinery. I'm on Twitter and Pinterest um, and Goodreads at Writing Refinery. And you can come to my Writing Refinery website, www.writingrefinery.com. Um, and... And also now you can like reach me if you want to talk to me about not editing stuff, but more about creative stuff and writing from that angle of being an author and like deciding to self-publish, you know, like putting myself out there. Um, you can find me at elizabethkaufman.com. Ah! Woohoo! It took 99 <laughs> episodes. Know, 99. Right? <laughs> but, so but we did it. And I also have a, a Facebook page for myself as well. So Elizabeth Kaufman. Elizabeth has her own blog. 99 <laughs> episodes later. Yep. Yep. Okay, now you are officially out from under your desk and from all hiding. Yep, apparently. I I have taken away everything that I can hide underneath. I'm completely exposed, so. Woohoo! <laughs> and it's good. I, we're linking it in the show notes. It's really good. Oh. You're going to love it as much as I love it. <laughs> Yay! Oh, and if you want to find me, you can find me, uh, HarrelsonPress.com, at HarrelsonPress on Twitter, and HarrelsonPress.com. Oh, wait. Harrelson Press on Facebook. What's the go. other one? <laughs> I also have a, a blog that I write to, Mariana.net, and that's about my other life as a pastor and as a woman pastor and all those kinds of things. Yeah. As well. Okay, well, rest up because next next time is 100. I know. Yay. It's time for a party. I do expect some some party people. I think I might need to go get some noisemakers. Yes. An air horn or something. Yes. Maybe not an air horn, but noisemakers, yes. <laughs> You're like, no, please don't. Oh, so you have to tune in next week. It is going to be epic. Yay. Until that, that keep thinking. Keep reading. And keep dreaming. There you go. Bye.